These, uh, these three chapters, uh, 21, 22, and 23 of Exodus, are showing uh, Israel, now that they're, uh, they're free and they're walking with the Lord, uh, how they are to conduct themselves and uh, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to serve the Lord. It's coming later also that we'll get into a lot more detail when we get into the book of Leviticus. Uh, because it really deeps, uh, dives uh, very down, uh, very deep down into a lot of uh, what we're looking at and what's being established here. But uh, setting the table for where we're at, uh, very much a um, a commentary and an explanation coming from the Lord of how these uh, these things apply to Israel. So verse one says, uh, "You shall not circulate a false report. Uh, do not put your hand with the wicked." Uh, to be an unrighteous witness. So um, considering the damage that comes from false information, how it can destroy uh, somebody's life, can destroy uh, their business, a ministry, uh, those types of things, uh, you know, we've uh, probably uh, witnessed uh, or maybe even been the person that's been attacked hopefully not uh, have been the one spreading the misinformation, um, the false information, I'll actually clarify. Um, but if we have, obviously there's the, uh, I, I hope by now, um, especially with this group here, that, that there's been repentance and I trust that there would be. But the false information can li literally destroy somebody's life, can rip apart churches. Uh, there's, there's a lot that, that goes on with a false report. Uh, and where it says in the in the second half of this verse, do not put your hand with the wicked uh, to be an unrighteous witness. Uh, you know, when you consider uh, when the Lord said, you know, shall not bear false witness. Um, this would be uh, a commentary, a further explanation of what that would mean uh, as Israel applies this to their lives. You know, don't uh, be uh, taking part in a wicked plan or false report um, that, that can circulate through us. Uh, that to us uh, as Christians should be like a, yeah, got it. Uh, unfortunately, um, the church is very susceptible to gossip. <laughs> hey, did you hear? And then by, uh, by the time uh, things get around to uh, getting back to the truth, uh, there's the, the uh, false report that has, has uh, skewed things and has, uh, has really hurt somebody else's reputation, uh, hurt um, relationships in their lives. Uh, so when the Lord's doing these, some of these may seem very basic to us, but to understand, yeah, well, mankind, we don't really get the basics, <laughs> right? We don't get them. We have to learn the obedience to these things. And the Lord knew that. So he's giving Israel this prior to them. Uh, well, now uh, as they're, they're operating as a society uh, free from bondage, uh, he's sharing that with them now that they would hopefully get these things down and, uh, and apply them to their lives and, and grow in their relationship. But um, notice that this, uh, this type of false report here is attributed to the wicked, uh, that the wicked would tear somebody down. Uh, when we look at what the scripture has to say regarding what's required of those called by God's name, it's the exact opposite. We're called to be different than the rest of the world. We're called to be uh, set apart. Um, a couple verses to share here uh, regarding what we're supposed to be doing. Rather than tearing down, uh, Christian, a, a Christian would be uh, focused on building somebody up rather than spreading a, a false report and uh, joining hands uh, with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness, right? So Romans chapter 14, verse 19 says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things uh, by which one may edify another. That edi to edify means to build up. Uh, that's what edification means, to build somebody up. So where Paul is writing uh, in, uh, in Rome, uh, Romans uh, 14, he's saying, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So completely opposite, right? Somebody's soliciting, saying, hey, I heard this, and I'm not really sure if it's true or not, but I can't stand that person, and I want to get this around. Be sure to spread the word. Hopefully, uh, anybody that's here in this room would would have the maturity to be like you're doing what and call them to repentance. Um, and whether whether that's um, 
you know, a, especially a Christian, but uh, even even outside of here and uh, family or, or work or anything and be like, do you, do you know that to be true? Have you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't really talked to them yet, but, uh, you know, based on what I know about this person in their past, it has to be true. You know, so, you know, those types of things. Right. Amen. So if you didn't hear, she said, if you're not part of the problem or the resolution, if you're talking about it, you're gossiping. So pretty easy recipe, right? Um, I like that. I like easy things like that to apply. And I had been taught the same. It's a very powerful lesson in that. Another uh, verse for Christians, First <coughs> Thessalonians 5, 11 says, Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Keep going. So, so these guys had had got it, and and uh, Paul is is reading uh, writing to the church um, the the uh, at Thessalonica, and he's he's telling them comfort one another and edify one another, uh, build one another up. That's these are basics. These are things that should be a part of our lives. But God addressing this here means that it needs to be addressed, right? Um, that's what regulations are for, right? Um, you know, coming from my uh, military background, there's a regulation for everything, right? There's these air. And so for the air force, it's an air force instruction or an air force manual on how to do things. And these AFI and, and they've got numbers and numbers dash number, number, number uh, after it. And, and it's all these things that you're like, why would this have to be written down? Because people need them in plain and black and white. And sometimes it should be uh, something that's, uh, that's, uh, just common sense. And other times you're looking going, Oh, okay, well I can see where this makes sense. And then those things, but man, does God have us figured out uh, for sure? So rather than pursuing falseness, uh, to build in, in, in really, um, uh, what spreading a false report would do, um, is to obviously discredit somebody, but to also bring some sort of credit upon ourselves. Right. I, I need to be able to grow from this. I'm going to be in the know. People are going to understand that I'm the guy to come to or I'm the lady to come to. Uh, but rather than pursuing falseness to build somebody up, uh, tearing others down, uh, we want to pursue something much better. And that's peace and edification of others. You know, when we consider what Romans said uh, here, uh, you know, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which uh, by which one may edify another. Those building up uh, of, of somebody else, those things that would build somebody else up. So that's a lot here, I know, for verse 1, and we've got a bunch of verses to go through, but um, don't be part of circulating a false report. Uh, verse 2 says, You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside uh, after many uh, to pervert justice. You know, the crowd is typically the group of people that are rebelling, right? They're rebelling against something. They want to be different than everybody else, but they're rebelling together and they're in a crowd. So they're actually just like everybody else, but they want to be different like everybody else. It's, it's the craziness, right? And we saw uh, a great example of the confusion uh, of a crowd in our, our study in Acts, right? When, when, um, the uh, we look at uh, the the group of men that the uh, silversmith uh, had had gotten all fired up and uh, they were worried about their provision and everything and they start screaming great is Diana and the feet of the Ephesians and they're just they just keep chanting this they end up chanting it for two hours and as as the 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 tumult is building and everything everybody just they hear the noise and they all rush in right usually if you start hearing a bunch of chaos. Um, I know back in my older, you know, in my, uh, sorry, uh, rewinding in my life, my younger days, um, that meant, hey, let's go see what's going on. Now you hear chaos. I'm grabbing my wife and saying we're leaving, right? Because you don't know what that chaos is going to erupt into, right? Uh, rather than go, hey, I'm going to go in and I'm going to take care of business or hey, I'm going to join this craziness. Um, there's so much here uh, that, that we can look at um, as warnings against these things because those big crowds when they're gathered to do evil, um, consider uh, what just happened in Philadelphia. If you're not uh, familiar, these uh, these snatch and grab 
uh, mobs that were going through uh, Philadelphia. And uh, so this this young lady gets on and she's videotaping herself and saying, hey, come down here. We're going here. We're all free iPhones. I watched a little bit of the video. Free iPhones, free iPhones. People are you know, broken into local businesses and they're stealing things. She's charged with multiple felonies now. Right. It, you know, she she had had uh, gotten to the point where she saw the crowd uh, to do evil. She jumps on board. Not only that, but she's also promoting that. And now she's saying, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. You should have probably thought about what you're doing and and and, and how wrong it is. And, uh, you know, consider whether you want to be a part of that. It says, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. So uh, there's the first verse is talking about a, a false report. And now we see here uh, of the perversion of justice. If, if we haven't, if we're not picking it up, uh, there are so many very strong undertones uh, and uh, even overtones really that show us the character of God and what he expects uh, from followers of him to not be a part of the false report, to not be one that's perverting justice, you know, to understand that he is a just God and that he's a perfect ruler. And that's what he, he expects us to be ones that love justice and, uh, and would follow justice and seek those things. Right. I've shared this with you, Micah six, eight, what is, you know, God, uh, require of us, uh, but to do justly love mercy and to walk humbly with our God, right. To do justly, be an honest person. Um, love mercy. Be willing to to forgive forgive people and uh, uh, understanding the forgiveness we've had uh, in our lives and to walk humbly with God. Those are three very basic things, right? To be an honest person, to be uh, a uh, a uh, person that is merciful and understands mercy, and to walk humbly with God. You know, just those those simple things from Micah six eight. Very very simple. Yet we make things uh, that are so simple so complicated sometimes. Um, you, you know, when God is saying, don't be the one following the crowd, he's telling us and he's telling them, and we can look at the word and understand, even if we're the only one that doesn't join the crowd, don't do it. Because if we're the ones, the only ones standing for God, what the word tells us is that we're not standing alone. We're not standing alone. God is there with us. So even if we're the only one that says, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go do that, whatever it is. I mean, this, uh, you know, that, that crowd to do evil, whatever that evil is, you know, uh, back in my, my, uh, heathen punk party days going to do evil was let's do this. You know, it always involved alcohol and, um, uh, and, uh, we'd all just go do whatever and, uh, and just, you know, break the law and, you know, people looking for fights and, and those things. And none of it would be good. You know, we, and we knew it, but we're just like, ah, we don't care. And, and in our rebellion, we would jump into those things. You know, God has called us to be different. He's calling us to, even if we're standing by ourselves, to stand there. But we're not standing alone. If we're standing by ourselves in the will of God, we are called to be different, to stand out from the world and not look just like it. First Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits, right? You've heard bad company corrupts good morals. Um, same, this is just New King James version of it. Evil company corrupts good habits. You know, who are we surrounding ourselves with? You know, wh who are those around us? Are they ones that are, are leading us uh, to that crowd of evil? Or have we separated ourselves and realize, you know what, I, my, my, the crowd I was running with, um, that all needs to change. And my life is new now, uh, understanding that, that we're walking with the Lord. Verse 3 says, you shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. So that, uh, dis that partiality, uh, we can't pervert justice, like, right? Like it, it's said in the verse above in uh, verse 2. Uh, so we can't uh, rule, we couldn't rule in favor of the poor just because he's poor. We can't say, well, you know, well, this person here, they were stealing, but it's because they were poor, so they shouldn't face any consequence. No, that's not what the word says at all. You know, they, they, they would still have to uh, pay back when they, when they would steal uh, and, and be held accountable. 
You know that that they're uh, you know nobody gets away with things because you know they're poor or rich. Unfortunately, the rich will often get rid uh, get away with more, and we'll look at that here in just a moment. Um, but uh, God is a just judge, and He's a righteous judge. So uh, God is uh, calling for uh, a a non partial judgment here. If you consider James chapter two verse nine, it says, "But if you show partiality, you commit sin." and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So if there's partiality one way or the other for the poor, uh, for the rich, for the weak, or for the powerful, um, we're, we're, uh, we're showing a partiality. Um, I think many of us want to play uh, the part of Robin Hood, right? Uh, where we're, we're going we're gonna to want to side with the poor or the needy. Um, and then there are others. Others that say, hey, I got no dealings with the poor. What are they going to give me? My guys are, are the rich ones, the ones that are going to pay me off. Whatever it is, God is calling for just judgment. And uh, that judgment would be without partiality, not for the poor, not for the rich, not for anybody. But it says you shall not show partiality. Uh, and then when you, when you combine that uh, to uh, what James 2 says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. So partiality is sin, favoritism. If we if we have a, a, a favorite, uh, then we're sinning. If, if we're uh, if we're looking at well, um, even if it would be a poor man and a rich man, and the rich man says, "Hey, yes, I do own that, and yes, I realize that this person's in need, but that doesn't give them uh, the the right to to break into my business and to steal from me, right?" So so if if we say, "Well, you can afford it, um, don't worry about it," and I'm sure you can pay for the the repairs, right? I mean, that's not that's not a just judgment. Right. So th that type of perversion of justice is is uh, spoken against in the scripture. So we shouldn't take a, uh, a favorite side in partiality at all that. But it would be looking at the at the facts of, of what is happening and, and then judge accordingly. Now, this doesn't mean just in the court of law. This could be in our workplace. It can be within our family. It can be. Uh, I mean, my goodness. I grew up, there were five of us, and uh, I was one of five kids, and my parents, my goodness, it was always a fight on who's going to be in the front seat, and who's going to, and there's a fight over everything, right? And you don't even have to be from a big family with that, right? I, I mean, when I consider what, you know, my wife and I with three kids, it can still be, I've heard the craziest arguments over the dumbest things. The dumbest things, Dad, and I'm like, don't even include me in that. You guys are all old enough to figure that out yourselves. Have a good time. You know, I've actually just done that and said, no, you guys, you don't need my help with this one. Uh, this is something. But if, if if one of my kids comes up and says, well, hey, this, that, or, or the other thing, and, and I say, yeah, they shouldn't have done that, but get over it, then then I'm not doing what I should be doing. Uh, then I'm not I'm not I'm not showing my kids you know a proper judgment within you know whatever scenario was happening there. So God calls us to be fair. Verse four: If you meet your, your sorry, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to uh, to him again. If you see the donkey of one who hates you uh, lying under its burden and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him uh, with it. So, uh, again, God calls his children to conduct ourselves differently, right? Um, if you think about the world, it might be, aha, there they are, broken down by the side of the road. Give them, a, you know, a, an improper gesture and say something to them as they're driving by, and, whoa, you know, uh, if you've got a, a diesel, you know, you step down, and they call it rolling coal, right? You ever watch the diesel when they hammer on the gas? And the black smoke rolls out, ah, you know, just rolling by. Um, God does not call his children to conduct ourselves though that way. But when someone is, is, would we see somebody broken down on the side of the road? Maybe it's the person uh, that, hey, you know, I know that guy. You know, I know that girl. And uh, they had this to say about me at work, or this person had uh, this to say about me in the neighborhood, or whatever. Um, you know what what God is calling. Uh, so that's the practicality for us. But I mean, if you look back in those days, it would be the animal that stuck, right? So if the animal was stuck, but if we consider what do we use those animals for now? Uh, you know, we eat them, right? But what do we use to accomplish what those animals would? Machinery, right? So you know, you see your neighbor. Um, 
that's uh, you know just been a pain in your butt, you know, <laughs> and uh, they've uh, they're they're stuck or or whatever it might be, or uh, you know, we have the opportunity to obey the Lord and swallow our pride and go over and help them. We actually have a command from Jesus to do it. So uh, whether we like it or not, we're actually called and commanded in the scripture uh, to do these things. When, when the Jesus says you shall, uh, those are important things. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, um, they, uh, Jesus speaking, our Lord speaking, he says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and, he's, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you and reward, uh, <coughs> excuse me, what reward uh, have you? Uh, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Those are some pretty, you know, we can't dodge those words. Those, um, I think that when the scripture says things that we like, we, uh, um, we, 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 we might actually call those something that's like our favorite, right? <laughs> but I don't know how many times I've ever said, man, I really don't like that that's in the scripture. I don't know how many times I've ever said, you know, that's my favorite thing in the scripture. You know, that's one of my favorite things. But but that is, shows us the condition of our heart, right? Doesn't it? Where Where God is calling us to literally love those that hate us. If we love those that love us, what are we doing? Right. What, what, what are we doing more than anybody else? What God is calling us to is a different standard. We're called to be that light that's shining in the darkness, that when they see our good works, they would glorify our father in heaven. Right. So let your light so, so shine before men that, that when they see your works, they'll glorify your father in heaven. Jesus said that. Right. Let your light so shine. How do we do that? By practical living. You know, is it from doing, I mean, Jesus said for it, if you love, uh, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Does not even, do not even the tax collectors do the same? Jesus isn't speaking, it's the IRS here, okay? <laughs> but he's saying is, is the corrupt uh, uh, tax collectors in, in biblical days were, uh, were very corrupt and they would use their position to steal money from people and, and to be able to come up and say, you owe me $10, and they had the authority to have you arrested, you know, and you'd have to pay it. Your taxes are $15. Oh, hey, it's $20, by the way. You know, whatever it is. You know, so when 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 he's saying, don't even the don't even the ones you despise do these things. And when Jesus is saying, I, I'm calling you to a higher standard, that you would love those that hateful that hate you. And look at what he says here in verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Bless those who would curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you. I don't want to do any of those. <laughs> you know, if I know somebody hates me and they've done these things, I don't want to do any of those. There isn't anything that that has that, that the Lord is saying right there that I'm going to be, yeah, can't wait to do it. But what are we called to do? Obedience, right? So it's the same here in verse 4. When, when we consider what the Lord is, is saying here in verses 4 and 5, that, yeah, you may hate your this person. There, where it says, if you meet your enemy's ox or your donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to it. It's not if you're feeling like it, or you might want to. It's a command from God. You shall surely do this, right? If you see your donk uh, the donkey uh, of one who hates you lying under its burden, and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. <laughs> there, was, there wasn't a question. God commands us to do the right thing even when we don't want to do it. I love that about the Lord. I love that about the word. 
because the standard is uh, is is such a powerful thing, right? What, what does Jesus say in, in uh, Matthew 5, 48? He says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I know you don't want to do these things, but you need to. Who is a greater example of laying their life down and their own will down for those who hate him rather than Jesus? There's no greater example. So we can't say, Lord, you don't understand. And he can say, really? <laughs> Pull up the stool and sit down and the Lord look at us and go, tell me more. What do you mean? Right? No, the Lord knows. You know, what, what perfect wisdom here, right? What a better way. What better way would there be to settle a dispute or to make an enemy your friend than to help them in a time of need? Right? You know, you know, we at that point, because, you know, their heart's going to soften, our heart's going to soften, and we're going to let those things go. Then we're going to experience the, the, the blessings of God's love rather than the hatred of this world. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not going to be ruled by bitterness and hatred, uh, those things that eat away at us. You know, but, but when we can go and minister to somebody um, and put our will aside and understand, you know, how good God has been to us, and that ability just to go up and say, I'm here. How can I help? They're going to look at it. Guys, right? I don't know if you've been in the situation. I have been in the situation. I was a young punk. And uh, me and this guy had it from Hamden, um, had a dispute. We didn't like each other. And here I was, broken down by the side of the road. And we had said things about each other. And he drives by. It's just me and him. Like I know I've shared this story, so I'm sorry for sharing it again. But it's popping in my mind now, so i got to share it. But uh, so it's at night and I'm in uh, Winterport or Hamden at a, at a stop sign. Car dies. This kid drives by. There goes Josh. Like we might be fighting right in the road here. I don't know. Right. Josh pulls around and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, he gets out and helps me push my car. Right. And, and I, I'm trying to remember the story, whether it's his car and I helped him. But I think it was my car that was broken either way from that point on. I could have given him a head nod or he would have given me a head nod because we talked about things and we settled them out. But but that's that's one of the greatest uh, examples in my life of just being a young punk. He was a young punk and neither of us liked each other. Uh, but when it came down to a good deed that needed to be done, it's like, ah, back roads of Maine, I'll help you out. And from there, if I saw him today, I probably wouldn't recognize him. But I'd be like, hey, man, how you doing? Right. Before. I didn't know if we were. Gonna, I didn't know if we were going to fight right there in in the road as as teenagers, just being little punks. Pretty cool. Verse six says, "You shall not, <clears throat> you shall not pervert the justice of your poor in his dispute." So very similar to what we um, had read uh, back in uh, verse three, but just like you can't um, uh, pervert judgment uh, of the poor. It is dispute. Uh, you you can't do it to the rich. Um, you know we might be more likely to favor a rich person by nature because they're more impressive, right? Afraid of their power, um, afraid of uh, or or just in awe of that guy drives a Lamborghini, <laughs> right? You know those types of things where you you, you might be, but um, the fair and just rulings of God's. Uh, standards uh, are are demanded here. Shall not pervert judgment of your poor in his dispute. So all, we shouldn't show him favoritism, and we also shouldn't uh, pervert the judgment. And that goes for either way, because we know that God said in James um, that if we show partiality to anybody, uh, we're in sin. So um, we can't let somebody's financial situation decide whether we're going to um, support them or not. Uh, verse 7, keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and the righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of righteous. I love that. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Don't even get close to it. Uh, you know, consider what God, uh, the, the opposite of God that, that he would want us to, uh, to participate in, right? Uh, that, that would be the opposite of it, right? Keep yourself far from a false matter. 
that that it, if we don't, if you haven't seen here, what's already uh, being displayed here is God is calling us to honor and integrity. Um, those things, right? Integrity, doing right, even though nobody's looking, right? But that innermost part of our being, that it would be integrity uh, that that is leading our lives and not corruption, not perversion, uh, but integrity. God is calling them to be far from a false matter. Uh, do not uh, kill the innocent with the righteous. You know, that that, that would be uh, obviously a bad thing because if you look, <coughs> for I will not justify the wicked. You want to do that? That's wicked and I won't justify you. So God's saying, Keep your, just keep yourself far from it. Remove yourself from the situation. If uh, As long as you do that, you're not going to find yourself in those situations. You now, God calls us to an opposite life, right? If we, if we want to live a, uh, a life of, of purity, consider what James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your, hand, your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, that, that calling away, drawing near to God, and God will, will, will purify us and, and uh, have his way and uh, keep us in the opposite direction. You know, when we consider what these verses are saying here, and especially verse 7, you know, the death of the innocent and, uh, and the righteous will not be justified. You know, take no bribes, it says in verse 8. Um, what do bribes do? They blind discerning and they pervert the words of uh, the righteous. You know, don't be bought is what God is saying. Don't be don't be bought. Don't let somebody come up and say, hey, we can take care of this our own way. Right. You're not going to see, um, you know, that I did this or did that. God is calling to integrity and honor once again, uh, his, his, his people to those things. And they're worth far more than a bribe. Um, consider a bribe. I don't know if you've ever in your life. I know as, as a kid, um, there was always the. There was always the bribe, you know, when, when we're kids, like, you know, don't tell mom and dad. If you don't tell mom and dad, I'll, I'll do this, this, and this. But then that person owns you, right? Because when they find out, they're like, well, John knew and he didn't say anything. Now you're in trouble, right? Don't take the bribe, right? Because that person owns you, right? I, but, but the Lord makes it very clear. It says, you know, a, a, a bribe uh, blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. Um, it's uh, don't be bought. And uh, understand that our integrity and our honor are worth far more what anybody than what anybody else could ever offer us to turn a blind eye. Also, you shall not oppress a stranger, uh, for you <coughs> know the heart of a stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The Lord is telling them to be hospitable. You know, who would actually want to be oppressed? Hey, I'm here to be oppressed. Would you please treat me bad? Right? Nobody, nobody would want that, right? And uh, so God is saying, you wouldn't want that. You remember, you were in a, in a foreign land. You were the strangers in Egypt. And God is saying that, you know, who would want to be oppressed? You know, especially, you know, a stranger. When they come to a specific spot, uh, especially back in their day, they're, they're hoping they're going to be welcomed and they're going to be safe. Uh, but to oppress them and then and, and then say, oh, well, you came to us. Now I'm going to make you my slave and you and I own you. Uh, that oppression is is wrong. You know, they knew um, what it was like to be a stranger. And and God uh, told them uh, that they were not to conduct themselves like a sinful nation would. A little bit of a shift in gears here regarding uh, God's instructions. Um, but you can tie this uh, right to the Sabbath. Uh, six year, verse 10 says, six years you shall sow uh, your land and gather in its produce. But the seventh year uh, you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat uh, what, they, uh, what they leave, the, beets, uh, the beasts of the field may eat. Uh, in like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. So rest for the land, a Sabbath for the land uh, and why that the poor may eat uh, you know there's the the people that are scraping by and they're scraping by and they're scraping by just just constantly just hey you know what we've got enough money uh, to take care of uh, feeding the the mouths and oh man the, the the shoes they've got a hole in them and um, and you know all these all these things that uh, they're struggling just to make literally make ends meet 
And, uh, you know, how, how far can we stretch this pair of jeans uh, where they they're all ripped and, you know, those, those types of things. And to look at how God um, builds in a way to provide for them. And it's even a rest for the poor, right, where they wouldn't have to go and, and try to scrounge so much where the Lord is just providing even in that year of rest for the land that they would be able to easily uh, find what they need. What they leave, the beasts uh, may eat. So I love that, though. But in the seventh year, you shall leave it, uh, let it rest, and lie follow, that the poor of uh, your people may eat. You know, those who are less fortunate uh, don't have as much as you. They need to be able to come, and they need to be able to eat here. And uh, God is saying that they uh, they need to be able to do so. Um, and whatever they're left, then let the let the beasts uh, let them eat. My family owns a um, blueberry field, as I've shared, and uh, I've never heard anybody. I've heard one. I've heard my uncle say that he doesn't like the deer eating the the berries, but they're there all the time. And we'd have to. I mean, sometimes you're talking about ten, twelve deer, and they could really uh, eat them up and everything. But uh, there's a uh, when you consider um, uh, getting all riled up about it, uh, some people will. And, and, you know, if that's their, their means of providing for their family, they can take out an animal that's doing that. Uh, they, they have uh, the, the law behind them and taking them out. But, but this specifically is talking about rest for the land that the, the poor can eat, the animal can eat, and nobody has to look over their shoulder. They can just be provided for. You know, this is God providing for those in need. And he said it's the same with the vineyard and the olive grove. Same thing. So the result is God's blessing. You know, they're never without uh, after uh, a year of rest. Uh, you know, God uh, gives them a year of jubilee. We'll see that coming up uh, here soon uh, as we're, we're studying through. And it's, it's really a, uh, where people would be released from contractual uh, agreements and, and, and those types of things. There's a rest that God wants, uh, and there's a provision, and there's a blessing that comes from God as we obey uh, his command, where you think, man, if we don't harvest, we're going to lose all these things. God would bless uh, above and beyond for his obedience, uh, the, the obedience of those who, who are following his commands. You know, Israel had to deal with um, their, uh, because they turned their backs on this, um, and they grew rebellious of this in, uh, for 490 years. And God cites uh, the fact that they said, hey, you know what? We're not going to honor this, and, and we're, we're going to harvest all seven years. And, you know, maybe God doesn't care. He hasn't done anything uh, about it. Um, but, but the Lord addresses it, and, and we're going to see here <coughs> in these next few um, uh, passages that we look at here that, that God used this as a measure of how long that they would be in captivity. Uh, Leviticus 26 verses 32 through 35 say, I will bring the land to desolation uh, and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities uh, waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you're in your enemy's land. <clears throat> then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath. Look at if you look at verse 34, it's, it's probably up there. Uh, then the land, then the land shall. You're not going to be here. You're not listening anyways. When I remove you. I'm going to make sure that the land has its rest because that's what God said it was going to. Verse 35 says, as long as it lies desolate, it shall rest for the time. It does not. Uh, it did not rest for your Sabbath when you dwell in it, uh, dwelt in it. Second Chronicles 36, 21 says uh, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of, of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath uh, to fulfill 70 years, explaining, you know, what was going on and how long they were going to be in captivity. Jeremiah himself said in Jeremiah, um, well, it's said in Jeremiah 25, 11, I should say, uh, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon on 70 years. So, so Israel turned their back on this, and they ended up answering for it. 
Um, that wasn't the only thing that they did, but that was another part of their rebellion. Because of their idolatry and their hard hearts and stiff necks toward the Lord, this was another thing. And the Lord's saying, by the way, while you're gone, the land's going to get the rest that you weren't giving it. Um, so, uh, it, it, you know, what the Lord said, he, he expected uh, them to go along with it. Verse 12, six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, that your son, uh, your son, that the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed, right? Uh, Sabbath rest for uh, the bodies uh, of all those uh, listed here, and we know that there's a Sabbath rest in Jesus Christ for our souls, that we find rest in him. We, don't, we no longer have to work. Uh, but God wants us to rest in him. Verse 13. In it, uh, sorry, and in all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. That uh, circumspect, that's to walk carefully, to, to look at your surroundings, everything around you. Um, so God is saying, be circumspect. Be careful of your surroundings and what it is that's around you. Uh, guard your minds, guard your hearts, guard, guard your eyes, guard your mouth is, is, is really what is being said here. God is calling Israel uh, to complete and total separation from idolatry. Don't be a part of this and uh, make sure that you're walking very carefully and make no mention of these other gods, nor let their names even be uh, said from your mouth. You know, there's there's quite a bit. Um, if you consider, uh, you know, the the shameful things that happen uh, even in this nation, there are things that maybe we shouldn't even speak of that happen. Just we can call it atrocity. Actually, I did that earlier. We were talking about uh, what was happening in, in, in Israel and, um, you know, where they're they're just brutally murdering babies. And I don't need to get into the detail. You can look those things up. But uh, just just awful. Uh, as as a means of causing pain on uh, the Israeli people, it's it's just so sickening. Verse fourteen: Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat uh, you shall eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you uh, at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None uh, shall appear before me empty. And the feast of <coughs> harvest, the first fruits of your labor, which you uh, have sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times in a year your males shall appear before the Lord your God. So we've studied through... Um, those feasts, as we studied through um, uh, the book of John and, and, and went into great detail. But the Lord is, is addressing uh, the past, uh, the, uh, if you consider the Feast of Unleavened Bread and, and the Passover, those things would go together. The Feast of Harvest of First Fruits, um, which uh, would uh, be the, the Feast of Pentecost, um, Feast of Ingathering, in that would later become. The Feast of Booths or Tabernacles uh, when they're wandering in the wilderness. And we'll see more on this when we get to Leviticus in our study. Verse 18, you shall not offer uh, the blood of my sacrifice with <coughs> leavened bread, nor uh, shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. Uh, so uh, when we consider uh, leaven symbolizes sin in the scripture. So um, sin should not be uh, mixed into the sacrifice is, uh, is, is what's being said here. There shouldn't be leavened bread, which symbolizes um, uh, sin uh, offered with the sacrifice. There's the picture of Jesus Christ, the sinless one that would, uh, would die. Um, and it says, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. There's nothing to be left over. Everything was to be offered. And God says it is his sacrifice. So the Lord is, is prescribing uh, how they are to, um, how to uh, make offerings and, and how that is uh, to take place as they're moving forward. Verse 19, 
the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. So big, big differences in, in those two things that are mentioned in the same verse. Um, but the first fruits, so we'll, we'll tackle that first. The first fruits, um, not the last fruits, right? Uh, not the last fruits, but the best of, of, of what is um, produced is, is what God is calling them to, to offer. And really, what is it? Uh, what is that doing? It's honoring him as the good provider, understanding where those things came from. And, and offering those would just be acknowledging uh, what he had given them and trusting him knowing that he's going to provide, um, but it's really uh, giving him the first fruits and not the last fruits. I've, you, I've heard some people really put a weird spin on that of, well, you really need to be dressed up with a suit and tie to come to church because God wants the first fruits of everything. He wants your best, your Sunday best. Guys, God isn't concerned with our, our outer, you know, yes, should we, should we be, um, you know, dressing appropriately. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, I'm not saying that, but, uh, if I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt and I'm saying the same thing as somebody who's in suit and tie, some people need suit and tie and that's okay. But to make that a, 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 a thing of, uh, you're, uh, you're wrong and I'm right. That's where, that's where the, the problems begin. Because when, when God says, uh, God's word says, uh, as Samuel said, and I know you've heard me say this before, but when Samuel said, God looks on the inside, man looks on the outside, God looks on the inside. God doesn't care if I have a t-shirt on or, or a button-up thing. He's concerned with what's going on in my heart, right? The religious leaders looked great, right? But who did Jesus talk against? The religious leaders. They had all the garb on. They had everything whitewashed tombs right <laughs> they were they were called i mean consider it so i just share that because some people put some weird spins on stuff like that you know okay so now we get to uh you shall not boil a a young goat in its mother's milk um and now this has to do with pagan idolatry that's being addressed uh, uh they they did this as a means of uh offering a sacrifice in hopes of fertility that would result from it um, so it was a pagan practice and God is saying that they are not to be, um, doing those things. Now, Israel, um, has used this type of scripture to, uh, uh, to build their kosher diet and will, uh, use this for dietary restrictions. And so much so that you'll, they can't eat a cheeseburger because the milk that came from the, the, the cow might be the same milk. Um, that might be from the same cow that was used to make the cheeseburger, right? For the burger. And then if you put the cheese on it, um, I listened to Joe Foch explain how, uh, when they were in Israel, uh, a pastor or someone who was on the trip with them, uh, made everybody in, in the, the, um, the restaurant lose their minds because they're sitting there eating whatever they were eating. I think it was chicken and <coughs> excuse me, some stuff like that. Um, might've been some beef there. Um, and uh, they needed butter for their rolls. And there's some people eating fish over there. You could eat, you know, milk uh, and fish, but you couldn't eat it with beef, right? So they went over to the other side of the restaurant, and they're getting butter, and they're bringing it over, and people surround them, and they're, ah, and they're yelling at them and everything. It, because it's now not kosher, because you brought a milk product in, product in where there could be beef. And, and they, so they had committed something. Uh, here, so uh, this was not about a dietary restriction. This is about idol worship and, and pagan worship that's being addressed here. Verse 20, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. So uh, when we see the capital A and we understand uh, what is later uh, attributed to this angel that's being described? Uh, this is literally God Himself uh, being with them, and He says to keep them in the way and to bring them to the place that He prepared. Uh, now, when you consider there were other angels that um, that uh, would contain the name of God, and we're going to look at that here in just a little bit. Michael and Gabriel, Mike L. Gabriel, um, but where where the name is, uh, his name is uh, in that angel. 
Verse 21 says, beware of him and obey his voice. Uh, do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do, the, uh, do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For uh, my angel, uh, for my angel will go before you and bring you uh, in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So, considering what uh, what God is saying here, where He says, "Behold, I'll send an angel." And uh, he'll keep you in the way and bring you into the place which I have prepared. But this isn't just a regular angel, right? Uh, because when it says here in verse 21, for my name is in him, that's what I was talking about, that Michael, Michael and Gabriel, Gabriel, you know, his name uh, was included in their names also. Um, but they don't command, uh, but he doesn't command obedience uh, to angels, there's the commanded obedience. This is divine manifestation. This is uh, Christ in the Old Testament, his name within him. You know, when you consider Jesus's name, Yeshua, Yeshua, you know, Yahweh is salvation. His name uh, is in him. There's a reverence for this angel and obedience that's commanded for uh, this angel. It says, do not provoke him. It reminds me of Jesus cleansing the temple, <laughs> right? He got provoked by those people that were ripping off people that were there to worship God. And where, where they, were, they were hindering people from worshiping and taking the joy out of worship, <coughs> Jesus took care of them. You know, this angel, this one that was going to be with them, Jesus, um, he was there to lead them, to keep them, and to hold them accountable to God's word. Obedience would result uh, would be the result of uh, uh, as as they're being obedient to God, they're going to see the result of victory. They're going to see uh, the result of God's favor on them. So uh, what God is saying is, "Hey guys, I'm going to be with you." They didn't understand that it's that it's Jesus that's there with them, but they uh, they know that there's an angel. There's there's one there that's going before them. And that is, is where, where it says here in, uh, for my angel, verse 23, will go before you and bring you into all the ites that are listed there, and I will cut them off, right? I just don't like reading them all again. We've already read them. We've checked the box, right? Verse 24, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. Again, this is God's uh, commentary and, and giving them further instructions of what the Ten Commandments mean, right? Serve the Lord your God uh, and worship him only, right? That's He's the only one that they were called to worship. He's calling them to utterly overthrow, completely break down their sacred pillars. Leave nothing there that somebody can come back to. Because what do we do? What is our tendency? Is hey, there's this left over. There's this here. This reminds me of um, uh, my uh, my buddy. I know that he would steal my buddy, my his his dad's beer, um, when when we were kids, and he'd bring it out. Took it from my dad, but I think he actually at one point actually found alcohol. And he went up there. I was too scared. I was too young. To, but he's up there drinking a beer at like 10 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just up there. And he's like, and this kid's only real uh, goal in life later on was to smoke pot. He was successful in his goal. He made that. He, 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 he succeeded and in his, his life goal of doing these things. These things that can be left over, right? Those things that might end up um, you know, readily available that might cause somebody to stumble. They're, what God is saying is they have to utterly destroy it. They have to completely break down these things. Don't leave anything there. Because if it's not utterly destroyed and completely broken down, somebody's going to glue it back together. Somebody's going to make a shrine. They're going to do something, and it's going to lead them into idolatry. It had to be completely wiped out. 
have nothing to do with these this idolatrous culture. God is, is calling us to a life of no compromise. The, re, the re, result of compromise in our life is sin. It's disobedient to God, disobedience to God's word. It offends him. It separates us from God, and it destroys our lives and the life of others around us, our families. God calls us to a higher calling, calls us to be different, not to get ensnared with what the world gets ensnared in. That's why we're called out of those lifestyles. That's why, you know, we, we can't go behind somebody and go, yeah, well, this was, I mean, when you're talking about, guys, there are ministries in this area that have, and we've, we've named them beerable studies. They'll sit down, they'll do Bible studies and drink beer. And then somebody goes and gets an OUI as they're driving home from beerable study. It's as dumb as it sounds. Uh, what was the, does it, do you remember the name? It's, it's like three words, something bourbon, beer, and Bible, or something stupid like that. Guys, that is not biblical. It's not biblical. We're called to serve God with a sober mind. I mean, what, or what are we doing? <laughs> what, and I say we, I mean the church as a whole. The church is called, <clears throat> excuse me, called to be different. Utterly cast down. If you look through and you read through Chronicles and Kings and you see these kings that they did not do what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to rip all these things down and, and some would go and they do some of it and they get to, oh, you know what? They took out 90% of all, all the idolatrous setups and everything, but they left those ones there. You know, you can't do that. God is saying utterly destroy, completely remove them. That's it. That's the only goal. That's the only thing that's acceptable. Completely and, uh, and com utter, utterly overthrow them, completely break them down. That's it. That's that's God's standard. Verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you, uh, bless your bread and your water, and I will... So this is pretty cool. There's uh, God speaking of the angel, and he's saying he, and then he says I. He, I. Right? And, and we see him going back and forth in here. Uh, even in verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he uh, will bless your uh, bread and your water, and I will take uh, sickness away from your midst. Uh, no one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in the land, in your land, for I will fulfill uh, the, uh, the number of your days. So blessings that come from serving him, bread and water, health, prosperity, longevity of days are tied to serving him as a whole. Uh, when, when we're serving him and we're walking with him, does that mean we're never going to have tragedy in our lives? Does that mean, I mean, my wife and I went through uh, a miscarriage. I know uh, other people that have, you know, when we've gone through those types of things, it doesn't mean because then, you know, people from the prosperity doctrine will say, well, you see, you're, you're, you're doing this. So you didn't have this right in your life. You must be sinful. You need to repent. And oh, oh yeah, that's just what they need to hear after, you know, a loss of a child. Right. How about some love and comfort and prayer? No, what God is saying is that as a nation, as a whole, as you are following me, he's going to bless them as they bless him and they are obedient to him. Verse 27, and I will send my fear, <coughs> my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, uh, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the, the Hittite uh, from before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. That's a cool chunk of uh, scripture right here. You know, the, the fear of God and, and confusion and hornets to make the enemies run and drive them out. Remember what Rahab uh, said to the spies when the spies got into the land. Rahab's like, yeah, we've been, we've been hearing about everything your God did. And, and like, where have you guys been? Because we've been waiting. We've been dreading this day. You know, Rahab understood, everybody understood who the God of Israel was and his power. 
Israel didn't realize it themselves and they questioned God's power, but everybody else around them did because God said, I will send my fear before you to cause, I will cause confusion among those uh, that are, that are going to come. And even says the hornet, uh, the hornet there. So the, the enemy uh, didn't know God's will, but, uh, but Israel uh, could, could watch it happen. You know, uh, Israel could enjoy the victory uh, in and from him, and they did, right? They, they did uh, when they were delivered from Egypt. They had witnessed the immediate and final victory uh, over their bondage to Egypt, um, and so that they knew that God was capable of this at one point, but as, as time progressed, they lost their faith in God, and, and uh, when uh, Moses sent out the spies. It was only Joshua and Caleb that came back and said, yeah, God can deliver them into our hands. Everybody else was like, no, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, right? They, they didn't <coughs> have that trust in the Lord. Uh, but God is saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to drive these out. Now, these the hornets, um, uh, that, that can be uh, in our study. We're going to see the hornets that God sends in uh, to uh, to the enemy that would drive them out. So we're, we're going to get into that uh, here further as we uh, progress in our study. But what the Lord is saying is, is I'm going to win your battles, but I'm not going to win them all right now. I love this. You know, God was giving them a glimpse into his plan, his timing, and his will right here. Uh, and he, lists, he says that the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites uh, will be slowly driven out. And God is showing us the balance that, that he knows needs to exist, that the beasts of the fields wouldn't become too, too numerous. Right? He's saying, if I draw them out in, in a year, you're not going to be able to take care of these things. I'm going to drive them out little by little. The, these enemies are going to be driven out, and you're going to slowly move into these lands so that you're going to be able to, uh, to tend to these. Now, there's such a powerful uh, spiritual um, understanding that needs to come from this, that the Lord is going to give us uh, our, uh, our maturity, our victories that are needed in our lives, changes that are needed in our lives, promises being fulfilled, etc., whatever we can think of, um, that we know we're waiting on God to, to give us the victory in, just trust in him. Some of them are going to be immediate. Some of them are going to be as bold and as obvious as them being ripped out of uh, Egypt, carried through, and uh, you know, watching the, the enemy that's pursuing them getting taken by the Red Sea and everything. Boom, that all happened really fast. But God is saying, I'm not going to do all this in a year, but little by little I'm going to do these things. The same thing in our lives. There are going to be things that, that God in his timing and in his perfect plan for our, our lives as we submit ourselves to his will these things are going to develop and they're going to get to the point where God, you know, they're going to be removed or they're going to take place, be brought into our lives as God wants to bring them in, in his perfect timing. Understanding we can trust him to do these. Okay. Just like Israel was called to trust him to do this, to literally get, get peoples out from the land that he's giving them. We have to do the same and trust him that he's going to do these same types of work in our lives as we uh, submit ourselves to him and follow him. Wrapping this up, verse 31, and I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistia, and uh, from the desert to the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest uh, they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare for you. So no covenants with those uh, that are going to be driven out. God's going to set bounds for them, and he's going to set everything up. Then he's going to deliver them that are in there, the inhabitants, uh, into uh, their hands, and they're going to have victory as they're called to move forward. But they're not supposed to make covenants with them. They're not supposed to um, follow their gods. Remember, verse 24 said that they were supposed to over, utterly overthrow them and completely break them down and have nothing to do with them. No compromise, not even a little bit. Because what God says is the compromise will, will end up in you serving their gods and it will surely, right? You shall surely help your neighbor. You shall surely, all those things that we started this verse, this chapter with, God ends it right here. And it, if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. You know, there, there's the warning. 
You know, God, God can't, he couldn't have made this more plain that they're not to be caught up in idolatry, but yet they do, right? So here are all these practical applications. These are things that you're supposed to apply to your life, and this is how you're supposed to rule. This is how you're supposed to conduct yourself, uh, all these things. And then God uh, shows them what they're supposed to do with the land, and he's saying that when I bring you in here, things are going to be different. You cannot adopt any of their culture. You can't leave anything uh, as a part of there. And there's su such a warning for Christians. We are called to be different. We're not called to adopt the culture of the world. And churches are doing that. They're trying to reach people and they're compromising the gospel and they're compromising their messages. And they're saying, we're going to be the cool church that everybody wants to come to. You know, come to our behavioral study. Come to this. Come do this. It's foolishness and it's wrong. It's sinful. We're not called to conform ourselves to the world. We're called to to be conformed into the God is conforming us into His into the image of His Son. Right? That's what the scriptures say. We're not supposed to conform to the world. We're supposed to call people out of the world. Amen. Amen. So God, we're grateful for the clarity of Your Word. Help us to be obedient to it and to trust You as we walk. Lord, understanding that some of our victories are going to be um, immediate and others are going to come slowly, little by little. Help us to trust you as we walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.